Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Editor's Note. I'm Eir Pinto, and together with me, as always, is TV7 Israel Editor-in-Chief, Jonathan Hessen. How are you doing? Praise the Lord, doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Chag Sukkot Sameach. Chag Sukkot Sameach, indeed. Yeah, this is, uh, I like this holiday because, you know, all of Israel are building their tabernacles so you can see them all around and people sit in them and eat in them. And uh, it's important to say that it's in memory of uh, God taking the people of Israel out of uh, Egypt. And also these days that we, our body is a tabernacle for, for Jesus, for the Holy Spirit. So it's really a, a good symbol to remember, you know, for us. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, let's start with uh, prayer. And I will ask you, our extended family from around the world, to join me in prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you for being good, for being faithful for being with us. Thank you for uh, your appointed times on this earth that you gave us to remember your name and to get back to you. Thank you for your blessings. We really pray that you will be with us this uh, program and this uh, season, that you will give us everything we need in order to sustain and uh, develop our operations here in TV7 Israel. We prayed for our staff, uh, for health and for guidance. We pray for Jonathan, uh, myself, and the rest of the team behind the scenes today, and for everybody watching us from around the world, that you will really speak and touch their hearts today. Shem Yeshua Mashiach. Amen. Well, Jonathan, uh, where do we start? We had uh, the airing of Europa Stands last week. It was, I think, a very important and interesting uh, program. Maybe you want to say a few words about that? Uh, absolutely. I will uh, touch base actually on, on some of the content, some of the discussion points that uh, were raised there um, and also the implications for Israel. Mm-hmm. What basically uh, is currently taking place in, in Europe at large, but in Ukraine in particular with uh, the ongoing hostilities, uh, the really brutal war, uh, if you really go into the tactics and, and um, the, the various maneuvers taking place, it's uh, disheartening to see uh, the, the cynical use of, of also human life wow. within uh, the context of warfare. How long has it been already, the war? How long roughly, is it going on? Roughly seven months. Wow. Yes, it's, it's been ongoing, um, and we are... Closely observing, we're communicating also behind the scenes with uh, multiple officials, <coughs> excuse me, around the world to also uh, deliberate potential developments uh, and uh, to clearly understand where we should focus on, what we should focus on, because many times uh, diversions are is one of the tools of war. Mm-hmm. We want to divert attention from one area to focus on another. And uh, then you have six more places where other things are taking place. So it is an ongoing uh, struggle, not only for uh, people within the uh, defense establishments or 
uh, people within the diplomatic corps, but also beyond that, um, when we're talking about journalists trying to observe the situation. Most journalists do not have the experience of war. They do not understand military conduct. They don't understand uh, the methodologies that are being undertaken based on historical occurrences that mm -hmm. then are tampered with uh, in order to not identify with a certain tactic that the enemy may or may not uh, then utilize for his own advantage. This war has taught us much, and we're mm -hmm. still learning. We're still learning a lot, and uh, much of it is also applicable to the situation here in Israel. Mm -hmm. Really? Okay. With you talking about the Russian involvement in the Middle East, or just like stuff that we as Israel can learn regarding war with, I don't know, Iran or other enemies we have? Both. So some of the, the generals and, and not necessarily only generals, but colonels and, and uh, less uh, senior positions who um, failed miserably in uh, the, uh, you know, the engagements and the various maneuvers that took place in Ukraine have been uh, reassigned to Syria, some of them. Really? Okay. Others to Armenia, others elsewhere. And when you have um, officers who that failed, and if they don't resign... Um, for honor purposes or, you know, today uh, people act a little differently than they used to. Mm -hmm. uh, nevertheless, uh, they want to prove that they're still capable. So they're uh, in a very human way, you know, they want to prove themselves and by becoming more aggressive and more um, resolute in action, uh, miscalculation becomes more of a challenge, mm -hmm. uh, more of a likely uh, likelihood that uh, miscalculation may occur. But also uh, there is a lot of animosity between, you know, Russia and the West, China and the West, uh, Iran and the West. So mm -hmm. that there is an ongoing battle yes. uh, in that. And, you know, uh, humans that hate each other in one area don't want to engage in um, proper conduct in another Definitely. with that same enemy, even though you may be considered to be a global power, albeit within the context of a secondary role within the broader prospect of strategic power competition. Well, that comes into the economic situation in Europe. The economic situation in Europe at large, of course, there is, an, uh, we spoke about this last week, and uh, Europa stands, uh, the inflation, uh, I mean, 9.1% uh, uh, going up to 9.8% and 10.1% in the Eurozone. Uh, you see the, the situation in countries that ultimately um, are really struggling, and this mm -hmm. impact is going to have a toll on the population that is now uh, required. Authorities require them to fall in line, to be resilient despite the difficulties at hand uh, and despite the fact that, you know, they, they need to come up with good leadership and a good way to conduct themselves and to take the right decisions. And if they make the wrong decisions, it may bring an end to uh, much of the institutions and the constructs that we see today in Europe. Uh, these are 
alarming words. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, uh, you know, I, I truly believe that uh, God tests us regularly and, and we're able to understand that we are within uh, his rule. And, and so long as we dedicate our lives to him, uh, he is uh, willing to draw us out of all those difficulties and, Definitely. and help us uh, persevere. Yeah, yeah, he provides. Absolutely. Definitely. And just um, before we move to the next topic, I think it's important to say to everybody watching us that if you want to watch Europa Stands, TV7 Europa Stands, or any of our other productions, you can go to our website, www.tv7israelnews.com, and you can watch all of our productions uh, for free. If you like one of these productions and like to support us and uh, maybe help us produce more programs, you can also donate and it will go a long way because all of our productions are 100% donation based. Yeah, so uh, start with sustaining our operations. And then, and then the, I'm always, yeah. I believe that, you know, if God is with us, then he wants to develop. He wants us to grow and uh, produce more good fruit. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, uh, nevertheless, there is timing for everything, and God Definitely. prepares us for the right times for everything. Uh, obviously, <laughs> goes without saying, uh, everybody at home uh, who has been tapped into TV7 uh, Israel for a long time mm -hmm. knows full well that we're very eager to continue to grow and, and uh, not only improve the quality of, of our current operations, the various productions, uh, we are very keen also on... Uh, producing new programs, and there are programs in the pipeline on the list. Many. <laughs> uh, many also with graphics, but uh, for this to materialize, we do need funds because we're currently at the height of our capacity. Mm -hmm. And with everything uh, that has to do, again, with inflation and the economic situation, uh, the costs have risen, but uh, we need also to accommodate the expenses there uh, of those yeah. costs. Uh, so, you know, with God's grace, we know that we will uh, get through uh, this period and, mm -hmm. and that uh, we'll be able to not only solidify our ongoing operations, but also the process of development uh, as mm -hmm. such. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Okay, so um, let's go back to the past week. Can you give an overview of the situation? Yes, um, obviously. That's why we're here. <laughs> You know, when, when I look at the situation, um, especially uh, in the West Bank territories, uh, okay. particularly Judea and Samaria, but also in the Jordan Valley. Um, so the West Bank obviously is uh, worked on in three general mm -hmm. areas, A, B, and C. A meaning Palestinian Authority maintains both security and administrative control. B means Palestinian Authority maintains administrative control, but Israel maintains the security control. Yes. And Area C includes Israeli administrative and security control. These are the three mm -hmm. areas that we're talking about. Now, uh, while Area C has been uh, quite administered in, in a quite reasonable manner, um, Area A particularly in the northern Samaria region of Nablus, Janine, and the adjacent uh, villages, uh, the Palestinian Authority has lost control, not only 
uh, over the um, Palestinian Islamic Jihad and Islamist Hamas organizations, but uh, also on its own forces, on its own people. We need to uh, keep in mind that Mahmoud Abbas, Abu Mazen, how they call him, uh, when you hear president, yeah. the Palestinian uh, president or chairman of the Palestinian Authority, he's very old and unhealthy. And the moment um, he passes on, this is the moment that there's going to be very, very difficult situation in the whole West Bank territories, and also in Gaza, by the way. It's going to have its implications to a lesser degree because Hamas is ruling that area with an iron fist, or mm -hmm. at least it tries to. But the West Bank, is not. that's not the situation. But the West Bank, there will be a struggle for power. Same thing, by the way, is going to happen in Iran. Uh, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, mm -hmm. he's old, unhealthy, and every several weeks there is discussion about did he die yet <laughs> you know so uh, what's going to happen after that there in is iran, no appointed successor successor in iran there is no appointed successor currently even though there are indications that his son is going to take over really? there are uh, different indications thereof uh, when we're talking about the west bank there are uh, indications of certain individuals who, who are very popular uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, the others won't go um, sideways without a fight. So there are discussions about this. Uh, and currently, even with Mahmoud Abbas in power, um, the fact of the matter is he lost control over the Northern West Bank uh, because of a lack of uh, enforcement, because of corruption, mm -hmm. significant corruption. Uh, taking place within Palestinian institutions, which, don't forget, they are funded by the European Union, by uh, which is the biggest funder, by the United States, which is a secondary funder, mm -hmm. by Canada, by um, you know Australia and and other countries around the world, by South Africa. Many are investing significant funds into the Palestinian Authority for its survival. And this, uh, unfortunately, comes at a cost that corruption um, diverts many of those funds to personal interests of individuals within the clan-like um, society of the Palestinian uh, um, population. So after the Palestinian <clears throat> president, Mahmoud Abbas, you know, passes away or steps down, is there going to be an election? How, how is the power shift going to happen? There hasn't been an election since 2006. Okay, mm -hmm. So since he was elected back then, and actually Hamas took over, uh, mm -hmm. but he was elected before that uh, time, uh, there have been ongoing years, roughly uh, 15 years, uh, that the Palestinian uh, Authority has not conducted any elections. Um, to the dismay of Western countries because they have been trying Pushing to pull yeah. for it. Um, nevertheless, we, we uh, you know, I, I don't want to go into analogies and speculations of what may happen after uh, because nobody really knows what's going to take place. There are various schools of thought, but what we can see right now is that Israel has said enough uh, terrorist attacks if you remember, last year in March, have uh, or earlier in March, have taken place mm -hmm. um, in 
Israel and Israeli cities from Be'er Sheva to Tel Aviv yes. uh, caused fatalities, uh, civilian fatalities at that. And therefore, Operation Wastebreaker was launched. And it's still going. And it's ongoing nightly raids against suspected terror operatives. Um, and when we say suspected, there is concrete data mm -hmm. of terrorists either being involved or uh, planning at the behest of various organizations. Okay. Now, even though we hear rhetoric in Israel about, you know, the need for terror to stop and, uh, you know, there are tensions, so we're trying to mitigate. Nobody's trying to mitigate anything. Mm -hmm. The fact of the matter is the, uh, there are myth uh, methodologies on how to de-escalate the field. And as such, you know, in order to defuse a power keg, which uh, a powder keg in the northern uh, Samaria regions, it, it's just the pure definition thereof because they're sitting on a lot of weaponry, mm -hmm. light arms, but many potential terrorists are living there uh, from families who've lost brothers and uh let alone fathers and, and uncles. And so there is a lot of blood feuds yeah. that they want to uh, seek Avenge. revenge yeah. for. And uh, the longer this takes, you know, you, you see more and more um, concerns being voiced within Israel's defense establishment about the poten uh, potential uh, deterioration of the situation and mm -hmm. this going into other sectors in the Southern West Bank and elsewhere. Uh, nevertheless, so long as Israel uh, believes, and we've spoken about this, that a war is near, mm -hmm. it will continue. It will continue because it seeks to rule out another potential front that would challenge its ability to withstand multiple fronts. You know, yes. a multi-front war is what everybody's speaking of. Mm -hmm. And therefore, when you're looking at uh, the very, you know, intelligence-driven operations, they're done with a, a clear mind, understanding that this is necessary for times of war. And, you know, Iran is taking note, Hezbollah is taking note, everybody are taking note because it's their people. And when I say their people, they're Palestinians who've been funded, trained, and directed by Iranian elements. Mm -hmm. So we see a lot of that that has taken root, being uprooted right now, and uh, it frustrates them significantly. Yeah, because right? they lose the funds and the training and all the influence. They already spent what, what you spend, you don't cry about. What you cry about is the fact that you don't get a tool in return to be able to utilize at times of, of war. Yeah. So this is basically the, the outlook. Now, something that was mentioned last week in Jerusalem Studio. Uh, Amil, by the way, did a great job together with Ephraim Inbal, mm -hmm. uh, Gil Shona Cohen, Major General Gil Shona Cohen, who, by the way, in my opinion, is one of the best Israeli strategists mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to northern warfare, uh, particularly uh, in Syria and uh, Lebanon, but again, particularly in Syria. And, uh, you know, Don Gavish, who is a brilliant mind, um, everybody is always at awe by Israel's aerial defense systems. Mm -hmm. 
by their sophistication, by the capacity. You know, even Germany is seeking to buy Aero 3 at the expense of that, which is the American system. Why? Because mm-hmm. they say it's better than the American system. And it's roughly similar, if not better, than the Russian system, the S-400. So there is uh, a lot of discussion on this. But it's amazing to see how we're looking at a, a reality in which... Uh, in this discussion that they had, um, lessons are being learned from a war being taken place in, in Ukraine. Again, Russia invaded Ukraine, currently annexed already uh, Luhansk and uh, Donetsk. Um, something about this matter we will also discuss very briefly, uh, shortly. But one of the key uh, points that they mentioned in, in last week's program is that you know, we need to understand that Russian deterrence works. The nuclear deterrent that they are implying there, you know, they raise the, the, the threat, uh, threat and, and discussions. I was in multiple discussions in Europe just recently uh, in the last month in which uh, one of the major questions was, is Iran going to, uh, con- uh, excuse me, is Russia going to conduct uh, tactical nuclear um, or utilize their tactical nukes against Ukraine particularly. Mm-hmm. Is this going to take place? This is a very severe question. Yeah, that's unheard of since the Cold War. Logic dictates that it's not going to happen because Russia is one of the few officially recognized nuclear powers. If it utilizes tactical nukes in re- Ukraine, it will create a spiral. Mm-hmm. Japan, Germany, um Spain, Sweden, uh, you'll see so many countries, uh, South Korea, Australia, they will switch into nuclear powers. They will immediately engage in arming themselves with nukes because uh, they would not see that, you know, mutual deterrence that was always between the West and and the East um, manifest in, in... a clear deterrent for their security. Wow. We you already know? see that the, the countries, especially in Europe, started to arm themselves because of this Russia-Ukraine conflict. Uh, yes, but uh, again, this is um, not necessarily uh, with implications for Israel, except for the fact that Europe is very keen on procuring Israeli ah, weapons. Okay. Uh, when we're talking about this nuclear deterrent, we can establish an analogy for the situation with Iran. The Russian nuclear deterrent works frustrates Western powers from intervening in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. What will happen if Iran obtains nuclear weapons and seeks war with Israel? It would rule out anyone coming to Israel's aid. I see what you mean, yes. You know, Mm -hmm. so this is something, of course, of significant implications. This is something that Israel is very concerned by. And therefore, Israel is also very, very keen on making sure that Iran will never obtain a nuclear weapon at all costs. Mm -hmm. And this is something that the Iranians, they understand, but not fully. And the moment something, excuse me, like this happens, Israel will uh, bring its force down upon Iran, and the Iranians have no clue what Israel has in its arsenal. Really they have, they're speculating, they understand, they haven't seen even half of what Israel has. So uh, it's very concerning 
That's kind of encouraging to know that Israel has the tool to deal with a potential Iranian nuclear Absolutely. threat. Absolutely. It, it has the tools to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, whoever thinks otherwise, uh, and I hear all kind of analysts who proclaim to be experts, um, they have no clue what they're talking about. I see. Ultimately, when you look at mm-hmm. all the tools at uh, Israel's disposal, even within what is known to the public, uh, Israel is qualitatively superior to Iran in every uh, category, okay. except for manpower, which is not something that you need when you press on buttons. True. Okay, so ultimately, we're looking at the big picture. Um, now, miscalculation can occur in, in one spot, um, particularly, and that is Lebanon. There are discussions, obviously, going back and forth. Israel has um, the current transitional government uh, is keen on resolving this issue mm-hmm. for Israel to benefit already from its offshore reservoirs to the north without getting into altercation with Hezbollah. Yes. Uh, I, from what I hear, currently it's still not public, all the details of, of what they agreed upon. But if indeed what is being reported is true, uh, that is very severe because it's establishing precedents, legal precedent vis-a-vis other scenarios um, around the world, which are in the camp of those who support Israel. Okay, it would have implications for Cyprus, it would have implications for Israel vis-a-vis Gaza, it would have implications for Greece vis-a-vis Turkey, because suddenly within international um, dialogue, there is a precedent that has Israel basically relinquished all the demands that Lebanon required in 2011. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as they required in 2018 and later in 2021. It's less than that. Nevertheless, it is basically an indication that Israel is willing to forgo certain things. Now, when we're looking at uh, the annexation, the Russian annexation yes. of Luhansk and Donetsk, um, Obviously, the West does not agree, Israel does not agree Mm -hmm. to accept this annexation as legal, as proper in any way. And each one for uh, each country for its own reasons. But we need to also understand that that is also the reason why the Europeans, for instance, uh, the Americans are not willing to recognize uh, Israeli annexation of Jerusalem, uh, of uh, the Golan, Golan Heights, Heights, of yeah. course, under the Trump administration, it was recognized. But today, under the Biden administration, it acts very differently. And, and this annexation um, is not necessarily recognized by uh, the Americans when we're talking about proper conduct. And the uh, administration, yeah. Indeed. Uh, but this obviously mm-hmm. can change. We need to understand that every uh, dispute, every dispute being resolved ultimately is very closely monitored by those who have similar disputes in other territories around the world. And uh, if something happens, it it can change the equilibrium of the entire world. So people are very wary about the situation. Definitely. God is still in control. We know that he is, and we need to keep praying for the peace of Jerusalem, for the salvation of Israel, and uh, for all of our brothers and sisters around the world who are in need. Amen. In our support. Amen. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. And thank you to all of our family around the world. Chag Sukkot Sameach. And we'll see you again next time for another episode of Editor's Note.
Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.